my father made that road with a, with a pick and gravel. Every bit, of, there was no road here. And he made that, that's in my time now, when I was about maybe eight or nine, that road was made. That's a fair climb. That's a fair climb, you know. And there was only one man ever in this area cycled to the door. And that's Mickey, we call him Mickey Sonny Stephen, Michael Garrity back the road there. The only man ever to climb to the door with a bicycle. I was the only man ever to do it. I can head over there. You were there today, see it? Let's leave more. There, and right along there, that small ran, hey? Valley Croy, and you come down to Gisala, and across there is Dulaf. You come in all the way around is, right across there is, is Bang, Banger, Blinkhashle, and into Belmont. Pity my father wasn't seven, he could go back generations, like, you know. He was one man, I believe, in ten men. He was the local vet here. He was a butcher. He was a storyteller. He was a farmer. And uh, everything that was to be done in the village, he was involved in it. He was the butcher. And he was the slaughterman. He killed the cattle that went in for Tony Hainan, for the, the call of the free beef, and he distributed to the people of the village back in the 30s. I remember the first pair of shoes ever I got when I was eight, back in 1950. He measured me feet and he made the pair of shoes for me, the pair of hobnails. When he came back here first, he originally came from Armo, down there before you get to Bingstown. And he was living with his aunt in Blacksod, which was Sarah McLaughlin and Sarah Josie, the calder. He, he married in here. This was my mother's place. My mother was Sarah O'Donnell. Her father was Jimmy O'Donnell. She was, her mother died when she was giving birth to my mother. Now, my mother was, people told me afterward, that she was put, she was put into a shoebox put under the bed, they thought she was dead. And an old woman down the road there, that house down the road was Barbara, Barbara Riley, her aunt, came up and heard the little noise underneath the bed and when my mother was still alive. And she was, for I think she was no bigger than a small little doll. And thanks be to God, my mother, came through, my father married in here. 
she reared eight children, six girls, two boys, and uh, every man around here between Glash, Falmore, Tarman, Blackside, that have all a pig, and that was his job, killing the pig. The people of the village, there might be three men involved in killing the pig. They'd hold him. My father would stick him, and he was a great man. I don't care what anybody say. They can, and there's nobody around here that can contradict me. There was a few of them that used to kill pigs, but he was the best. Now, every time he stuck a pig, the heart was cut in two halves when you, when you opened it. Like that, the pig would be dead. Then he'd go over to Scotland in June, come back in August, do the little bit in the harvest that we had to do, then go away, maybe get a knock in September, October to England, pull and beat, come home at Christmas, he made me have a few pounds, and he might buy two, go to Belmore, maybe the 15th of December, and Ihamor and Nolig used to call it in Irish, Ihamor and Nolig, the 15th of December, and he'd buy two caps or two heifers or two bullocks, and then he might sell them again in March for the price to go to the go over to England again or Scotland. Well, the first time ever I went to Scotland, I'll be very honest with you. I landed in, in Ayrshire, in the town of Gavin. Would that be all right to tell you? And I worked for six months an hour. That's where you'd work. And that was four and six a day. Now, that wasn't every day you could make four and six. Mm. And the ganger was behind you. And he wasn't far away from our own place. He was behind you with a tartan grip. And if you'd, you'd have to go down on your knees with two big bags around you and pick all these potatoes. And if you didn't do it, you had that grip you get in the back. You'd go out and then you'd have to dress up your own old bed. Doesn't matter, make it up and it's shed if whatever they put to the farm. And you had much respect for you either. You'd have to go and do it. And we done it, and we done it for years. What age were you when you first went over? Eleven years. That was my age. I left Binghamstown down here in the Belmont when I was just eleven years and went to Scotland. Did your father go over to Scotland? <coughs> he did indeed. There's some of the plotters over. That's this fort up there, Garrett. And yet my grandmother. For years we went to Scotland that way. Then things start brightening up again and people start getting a bit independent. And that's the first man ever that gave us something soft, was de Valera. I'm not afraid to say it. And I'm not afraid to tell you, I have his picture up there. That's it. And then from the war started, the last war that started here, Hitler, we started going to England then. And then the way you start improving and getting good. He put money in people's pockets too, to be very honest with you. There was nothing going to until, until that war started. Nothing. What year was it then when you first went over? Can you remember that? Ah, it was a long time ago, to tell you the truth. I forget the name of the year now. I went to Scotland when I was 13 years of age. Well, I'd be 14 in October. You'd have to ask the permission of the teacher. And that time Miss Cronin was the head teacher over there. And my father and mother, or my father go back because my mother didn't have that much Irish. My father was a great Irish speaker. and. Could John go to Scotland? You'd be over there for maybe from June until November, and then you come home. And uh, unfortunately enough, I didn't have to go back to school again. But my other brother, when he came back, he had to go back to school for two or three months. But I remember you, you got the boat in North Wall in Dublin, a cattle boat. 
which was full of cattle. And the first time ever I went to Scotland, I was 18 hours at sea. And you went down in a big hole. And it was, you talk about, oh, I, I cannot describe it, what it was like. And you went down in this big hole. And, oh, geez, it was just a small little cattle boat. And you were, you, you, when you went into Glasgow, they stopped at a place called the White Hinge. And the cattle was let off. And then you went from there up to the Clyde. And you were taken off the boat. No much different than the cattle. Russell the Batgate wagon was there. You were put on the back of the lorry, an open lorry, just a, a, a platform lorry. And you were put on that wagon with your trunks and whatever you were meaning with you. And you were put on that to Gervin, which was about... 40, 45 miles from Glasgow to Gerber. And then you were put into a farm. Well, as I was telling you, you had to make your own bed. You got a big tick, which was like a cardigan tick here, but collecting cardigan. You filled it up with straw, and you made your bed with seed boxes. Now, I don't know whether I, would you ever watched a programme on television called Roots. That reminded me so much of Roots. You were there, and you were there for the... You couldn't leave for, from June to November. You were with the Navins, Darby Kelly, and then my brother-in-law. He got a, a job as a gaffer. And you were there, but you couldn't leave. If you left, you were put home back to Ireland you know and, and you, you made a few pounds because th there was nothing here absolutely nobody had money that time you know there was a, a family there down in, in, in Ardmore the, the, the Paddens Paddy Patton and his lot of mercy and Paddy and Paddy and Julian now is dead but their, their people I remember well they, they went over and there was with uh, a gaffer called Michael Naven and I think they fell out they were outside Gervin there was a place called Commonell outside Gervin and my brother that time had just started he was with Gaffer so he had a young child a young family now Michael Naven sacked him or something happened anyway so he said to my brother would you be able to start me and my brother said I'll start you Paddy no problem so I went in for them on the Sunday with the tractor and the trailer and I brought all the family out to the where we were in a place called Chapel Dunna and landed there but on Tuesday he was sent home because he couldn't work for my brother he was reported so he had to go home and he'd bring his he was six or seven children and he'd, he'd bring them all home he wasn't allowed to work you know because that time as I said before with roots you couldn't go from one place to the other the same in Scotland. You couldn't go, you just couldn't go over. But once you went to the farm, you could not leave. That was you. And if you went, all you said to the to the, the merchant, which was McClun at the time, oh, by the way, he's left me, he's gone to such a person. I want you to get rid of him. 
so that's what they done. They came out on the on the Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning and say, No, you have to get rid of him. He cannot work for you no more. When I the first time I went in Thailand, it was after I got married here. I'd be um, I'd be around thirty-three years mm. when I went to England first. I would. You were going to Scotland up to that time. I was indeed until I got married here. Mm. I got married in nineteen thirty-five. Mm. I was spent nineteen forty-two in England, forty-seven, forty-six, forty-five, and up to fifth. 50, an hour, like 1951, 52. I, the last place I worked in England was a place called out at Watford, outside London, on the bypass, in oh. them one. Yeah. That's the last place I ever worked. When you went to England first, though, were you working on the farms? like well, On the farms. <coughs> in, in what places? I worked in a place called Lincolnshire, Grantham. I worked at a great man there, he was Berts. Berts. Berts, that was the name of the farm, they were Quakers. And if they weren't said they were good men to work. B-I-R-T-S. Yes, Berts, that's right. Outside now, outside Grantham, in a place called Brandon. Brandon Village, that's where I worked. I worked there for three years. Going over and back every back year? Back and over every year. He'd write for me here and send me a letter. But you see, the, the thing is, you see, that time if there was a man 40, he was old. I, I, I'm 63 now, you know, and I think I'm young enough. But that time, I remember I was working in England and... Uh, I was working in a place called Grantham, and uh, my mother, I was, you know, that time there was no phones, and I, I was writing back and forth, and I used to be sending them a few pounds here and there, you know. And I got my father over, you know, to, to Grantham, and he was only, I was, I was 18, he was 48, he was 30 years older than me, but I thought he was old that time. And we were out picking teeth in a place called Boothby Pagna, and I, I, I was, I was, you know, I, was, I thought I was very young when I was picking this, but I'd go over and help him p pick his, his drill of spuds, you know. I thought he was old, but really he wasn't old, you know. When you look at it, you know, as I said, I'm nearly 63 and I don't think I'm old, but that time you thought everybody was, if they were over 40, they were old, you know. I never expected it, what it was, and you went out there as a young lad, 13 years of age, and you went out there and you seen this big, maybe 30 or 40 acres of spuds. And you had a digger there going in front of you. And you had to pick, they call it the stint. You had to pick that stint. And he was, if you weren't fast enough, the tractor was up behind you. And if you weren't fast enough, the gaffer came up and said to you that you need to do something, you need to hurry up or you won't be here. Now, I never got hit right enough, but there was times that they used to hit them. There's no doubt about it. They used to hit them to come up behind them with the shoe and give them a kick in the backside. There were plenty of them that done it. To young fellows. To young fellows and young girls. Now, there was, there was another farm there. I believe I was about 15. A place called Bergeny Mains. There was no lights. It was down the wood outside between Gerben and Daly. And you went down there and it was all hand work. There was no digger, there was no tractor, you had to dig it with a grape. So you were digging 40, 45 acres. And you were digging two drills at a time, and a, a girl or a young fella behind you pick it. You went into this big field, and the gaffer went down with his big long legs, and he measured the stint for you, and you had to pick it. Whether you liked it or not, you had to pick it, and he would be shot, he would roar at you. 
you know, and the tractor would be coming up behind you. You were hoping that you'd get in the middle of somebody that, that it'd be a, a bad one behind you, that you'd have finished before them. You know, the way we were brought up, we were brought up hard. And uh, see that field that were in front of us, down there to the road? That used to be full of spuds from top to bottom. And we were we were down there helping my father, and it was all bashling, if they call it, you know, ridges. It wasn't no ploughs or no horses, you know, it was all ridges. And everything was done with the speed. My poor mother got be good to her, and I hope she's in heaven. I used to see her down there in the field in the winter time, and her slitting spuds and a big jacket around her. You know, it was, now, it was awful, awful hard for the women. They were the the housekeeper. They were never allowed into the town. The father done all the, the wheeling and dealing. All they done, my mother would be baking there. She might, there was, as I said, there was eight of us in the house. She might have to bake maybe two or three cakes of bread a day. There'd be maybe a half a hundred with the spuds out to the door there and to scrape. There'd be two or three cakes of oxtail. You know, it, it, it was really, really hard on the women that time. Philomena, I want to save you. Phyllis, Gordon is used to his place. Was there ever any question of you moving over to Scotland? I went once. Once was enough. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go back. <laughs> it was horrible. It was hard work and it was horrible and you were up at five o'clock in the morning and it was, it was, needless to say, I didn't go back. It was just a place, like you lived in sheds. A hard way to make a living. But as I say, not everybody would agree with that. You know, they would say that it was a good life and it was, a, it was an honest life, I suppose. You know, you weren't, you got what you earned and that was it, you know. It was an honest living. Were you with John when you went over? No, John, you were with Jimmy, weren't you? Yeah. I hadn't seen... When I went to Scotland, now, this is something, I hadn't seen John for about many years. And I didn't recognise him. And he didn't recognise me. Because the evening I, we got, I got there, I was walking sort of around this place, becoming familiar with it, and I passed two men standing on, on at a corner, and I can still remember that, and one of them was John, and I walked past him, and I didn't recognise him, and he didn't recognise me. And it was only when he went in to talk to our older sister, Kathleen, that uh, we realised who we were, sort of thing. Was it eight or nine years? It was a good few years. It's where everybody went, and they went very young, and, you know... My father would have gone years and years before that, you know, even when, his, when he was a young single man, he would have gone, you know, so. That type of thing, you know. So. Then he was in England as a young single man. Did he tell you on the recording about the time he walked from Dublin? He was in England working for farmers and work ran out. And while he was looking for another job, he spent most of whatever money he had. So he got the boat across to Dublin. And he met with two girls from his... My father came from Sawlin, down near Binghamstown. He met with two girls from there on the boat, but he didn't have enough money to pay for transport when he got off the boat to get to Binghamstown. So he, as soon as the boy could, he could, like, he got away from the two girls. He didn't want them to see him. And he walked. 
Did you ever hear them walking a distance, a long distance? I did indeed. They used to walk from here, even from Belmont to Dublin. Did they? Was that in your time now? I don't know myself. You didn't? I did. Did you do it all? I got I got through that, yes. Yeah. I landed in a wall on the Saturday morning from Glasgow. I couldn't get work on it. We work was finished. I'm not afraid to say that to anybody. Yeah. And that's not cotton, you know, when I was very young. But in the meantime, the two girls arrived home to Solid and told his parents that he'd been on the boat with them and that they didn't see him after that. And they reported him missing to the guards. Especially for, for the guards to be and looking for him and all that type of thing. They picked him up in Balna and he was, he was fairly near home by the time they found him. <laughs> so. And I wasn't done it, I was in Bingstown. When was that? What year was uh, that? That's a long time ago. Is it? Uh, it is, it is. It's years ago. Mm. I was only very young. Mm. But, <coughs> but he would tell you that the, when he got to the house, his mother had to cut his socks off him. His feet were so badly damaged from walking. But that was hard times. Every night in wintertime, the accordion was taken out. And he played. And my mother used to say, put that away, give me a headache. <laughs> So, <laughs> not the whole recording again. No. Like a night like last night now, but it's been wintertime, bright moonlit night, and young people dancing down on the road. And he'd have the door open, and he'd be playing. I mean, there was so little traffic at the time. He'd be playing the recording, and they could hear him down on the road. And they'd be down there dancing. And I can clearly remember that. I was mad to go to leave here. Thought there was a big man leaving here, you know. But I remember well the first time I landed in Dinnymuck and I seen who it was. I definitely, I went crying. There's no doubt about it. I went crying when I seen, when my sister, God be good to Brady Devlin, Lord to mercy, and my sister, she said, John, you need to go up and fill your tickets, throw off of your bed. And I went up to this, this big hay shed and I had to fill this tick up. And mind you, I'm not very big today, but that time I was only about four foot something. And I had to carry this big tick down and make up my seed boxes and try and get the best corner in the in the shed. It was it was an ordinary, an ordinary, an ordinary shed, you know, that, where they kept the seed boxes. And there, there was plenty of people there that the cat, you went in where the cattle, in Garvin, Mains, you went in where the cattle was. They just put a dose of whitewash on it. And you went in where the cattle was and get remains. That's where you slept. Would you say it was hardship? Completely. Now you put a 13-year-old fella in this day and age out at three in the morning, as they call it that, and picking a 30-yard stint. What would you think? Would you think it would be hardship? Huh? And then at six in the morning, you would get the you get your tea. They bring you a bucket. Of, it was a bucket of tea they brought out, and you had the sandwiches. They called them a piece. 
you had three hours worked on that time. That's how bad that is. And I would say that was hardship. You tried to get out of bed at half past two in the morning. And, you know, at that time the, the weather was so hot, it was unbelievable. They, they wouldn't dig it, they, they wouldn't dig spuds at 10 or 12 o'clock in the day. Which they called it, what at that time they called it slack. There was no sale for the spuds. And you'd be hoping you'd see the, you'd see the, the merchant coming in. He'd a little, oh, I'll never forget him and all, a wee little thing, Scooby they called him. And he'd a wee little dog. You'd see the dog before, coming before you'd see him come on. And you'd be hoping that it'd be slack. There'd be no digging that day. And you'd see the gaffer then going with the hands like that to stop the digger. And you'd say, yeah, beauty, we're home. You know, and then you'd say to him, well, I'm going to bed when I go home. You know, you because you were up at three in the morning. You wouldn't. You wouldn't have a wash and you'd be up and having the crack up in the, in, in the firehouse, you know. You'd start feeling all right. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be perfect. And then what, what, what happened that you'd get the rag nails when you were picking spuds. They'd be up as far as the, the, the top, the, the nails would be skinned, you know. Do you think about that work often now? No, I never think about it, no, no. Never do I think about it, no. Because it was, I, 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 and I always say it, when I used to watch that programme on television, it was the same as Roots with the black men. We were, we were black, as far as the, the Scottish merchant and everything was, you know, as far as they were involved in it, we, we were black. They had, they, we were there to do a day's work for the, the, the British man and that was it. There was no doubt about it. The only thing, our skin was white and the black man was black, but we, we were the same. They treated us the same. You were treated as a, an object. You were there to do a job and that was it. And we got paid. You know, that's the only, that's the only difference. And everybody that left here to, to go on the boat from Dublin, they earned it. There was no easy, easy pennies. You earned every halfpenny of any, you know, when you think about it, any child that had to go out working at that age. Now we were, we were really, we were only children. When you, when you're a child at that thir at thirty years, you, you don't know no better. You just went out and done what you could, for the, in the, in the back of your mind just to send money home to your parents. No room for sentiment. You, you, that, 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 that was you. You were, you were bred and reared to go out and work.
September song from Frank Sinatra. That's about it from Rising Time for this morning and this week. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you again on Monday. Good morning. It's half past seven on Friday the 19th of August on RT Radio 1. This is Morning Ireland with John Murray and Colin McCullough. Let's get the news headlines now from Susan Jackson. The three Irishmen convicted of training FARC rebels in Colombia are all now free after presenting themselves at Garda stations in Dublin yesterday. not too bad like you know it is especially with the grandson traveling so we have to uh, stop a few times you know it wouldn't be that I wouldn't be that much in a hurry you know and I like I like plenty of time you know no see how peaceful here now isn't this heaven definitely heaven here how long will it take here today do you think It'll take me about six hours. But it's, uh, from here now to Sligo, I'll probably stop in Sligo for a while with the wee boy, and then uh, then I have 152 miles from Sligo to, to Laren. But once you get by in a skill, and there's smooth away there nearly all the way into It's a big change than it used to be 50 years ago. Probably take you two days to get to, to Laren from here. And how long until you're home altogether? And then you're two, two hours on the boat. And once I come off and through, I'm, uh, if there's not much traffic, I'll, I'll make it easy in an hour from t to my own house, you know. So, uh, and at all, you always love coming back, like, you know. You always love it. You see all the old people, and uh, you see your friends that you went to school with, and there was a lot of them few of them home from America now and it's nice meeting up at the beginning you know you you really miss about the things you done years ago when you were going to school and you know it's it's good like you know do you feel like you're you're going home or, or leaving home oh you're always leaving home when you're leaving here you're leaving home it doesn't matter how far you or how long you're away when you're coming here you're coming home you know there's always you're always look forward to even your own children and now your grandchildren, you know, you're always coming home. Doesn't matter how long you're away, you know, I'm 50 years away now and when every time I come back here, you're always coming home, you know. Will we head inside? Yeah, we better because we're going to get hit. <coughs> we need to, we need to put the cases in the, in the, in the car and, and head away. You've, have you met? Yeah. I met Jim. Yeah. This trip from Black Sad to, to Scotland, how many times would you say you've done it? Oh, Jesus Christ. I wish I had a phone for every time I'd done it. I'd be a very rich man. Ah, you, you'd come, one time you come maybe two or three times a year, some other time you'd come back once a year, but one time I was ten years before I came back. 
I had a, a break of 10 years. Once I went and got married and had kids. And at that time, you, you mightn't be able to afford to come back. You know, the, it wasn't easy, you know, when you started, when you were married first and started rearing a family. And, you know, it was hard. Mm. But just like to, you always go to come home. You know. How many times would you say you said goodbye to this fella in Blackstar? Oh, thousands. <laughs> as far as I can remember, thousands. And to all of them, you know. As I say, you grew up with that, so it wasn't, it wasn't strange to you, you know. And they'd be coming home, they'd be great. Excitement about them coming home. And they'd be presents and they'd be lovely clothes and all this sort of thing. Beautiful clothes. You know, I often talk about the, the older ones, how, how they done it. How they managed to live in Scotland, look after themselves, send money home to my parents and dress the younger members of the family, which is what they did do. Is that right? Yeah. That's exactly, I mean, and dressed us extremely well. And they done done how much a week? If it was raining or you were rained off, you didn't get paid. When the green sale was on, if you had slack time and you were finished it, you went out and the, you'd be hoping the scooby would come out and do that at the top of the field. And then you'd be allowed into the hub, but you, weren't, you didn't realise that you weren't going to get paid for it, you know. Maybe you might be out at five in the morning or four in the morning. And uh, you, were, you were hoping that, uh, that they wouldn't, that they'd stop digging the way you go in and have a, a rest or... And I think it would probably be harder for her because she was the youngest in the house. And I believe she was like everybody else. She was mad to go, but when she got there, she realised what she had let herself in for, you know. You know, without a doubt. But she fair play, she stuck it out. and She made a pact that she'd never, never again. But she was right, I never knew her. I didn't know her when I met her when I went from one farm to the other. Because she was the youngest and I had I probably maybe maybe seven or eight years before I, I had been gone, you know, and I hadn't come home, you know. Is there much more? No, that's nearly us. Is it? We're nearly done. Dana, what's, it, what's it like for you heading off? A bit sad, but it's been a while since I've been back and I'm glad I've, I've come back now, made the journey to come with them for the week's holiday. And I'll be back again, hopefully next year. How long was it? Seven or eight years since I was here. Came for Philomena's son's wedding. Before that, it was just funerals we were at. Before that, but when we were children, we were here three or four times a year. And what are those memories like? Wonderful, happy, happy holiday memories. We had great times here as children, running up and down the hill, and Gran and Granddad were. <coughs> oh yeah, got new sandals one year, and we buried them down in the sand and couldn't find them, so they were lost. It would have gone out in the tide at some point, I suppose. Where's home? Home is, well, part of it's here in Ireland. But life, I suppose. A, lot, a big bit of the heart's here. But home and husband and work and school. Well, my school friends are Scottish as well, because I was born and, and brought up in Scotland. I'll bring it down for you. Oh, no, you have to be Huh? The first time you were going, you 
When you're, when you're leaving, you know you're going away with twice as much stuff as you came back with. People think that you're stealing something. There's three of my three of my mates around here dead: Tommy Monaghan, Michael John, and Brendan Walker. Brendan Walker's one of my my best mates. He's lived down over there. He died only when he was 56, you know. And. Uh, Few of them in America, and few of them in England that never came home. In the next year or two, I'd probably maybe move back, you know. No, that's on the on the on the agenda at the moment, you know. You'd probably miss Scotland and all, like you know. But you wouldn't miss it as much as you'd miss your his here, you know. But uh, it is, it's, you, you wouldn't miss Scotland. You have mates there, and you have friends, and the wife has friends, and go to the same pub and you go to the same club and you meet all different people, you know. But it wouldn't break my heart leaving it. I, you, when you you go through life and you don't mind where you live, you know, I, it wouldn't matter to me where I live, you know, you make your, you make a home of it, you know. But that's my life story. When I left and when I come back and when I'll go again, which I'm, in the next five minutes I shall be Leaving Black Sword again. And as they call it Tarman Hill, and they call it the Fawn Saracha, which is Sarah's wish, my mother's wish, that this house would be always here. We'll be back again next year with the help of God. And the following year. So what to say one time? Here I go once again with my suitcase in my hand. <laughs> Bye, fellas. All right. Here you go. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take care. Take care. Take care. See you soon. Take care, Johnny. I didn't get See you, Johnny. Yes. And uh, quite happy to be going. As I said before, you have to go to come back. All right. Are you going driving, brother? Yeah. No. Huh? Well, you see, I always, I always say that for these women. For these women, if I say I'm going to leave at eight o'clock, I mean half past eight. The only thing is, you don't too much talking this morning. No, no. <laughs> you have to talk.
That's it for another year. Yep. Mm -hmm.